This is the Studio Alchemy Podcast, episode 106, How to Create Beautiful Symbols. Our quote of the day was said by Seneca, all art is an imitation of our nature. Hello, everyone. The purpose of this podcast is to explore creative ways to transform our lives using the artistic process. Alchemy was the ancient study of changing materials from one thing into another, and we all do this every day. Every choice you are making is transforming our world. On this podcast, we hunt for the wise balance between accepting what is and taking empowered action. My name is Addie Hirschton. I am an artist. I sign my paintings with the name Vita. I teach art classes, and I've written a few books, including The Alchemy of Painting and my new book, that we're going to read from today called The Alchemy of Symbols. To find out more about my projects, classes, and to sign up for my art newsletter, I invite you to go to my website, studioalchemy.art. And now for our topic of the day. So today's episode is an excerpt from my book, The Alchemy of Symbols, How to Use the Power of Images to Transform Your Life. And we will be reading today from chapter six, how to create beautiful symbols. This is the chapter that's about aesthetics, the study of beauty, what is beautiful, what makes uh, a symbolic object something we think of as, as beautiful, as something we want to look at, as something we want to bring into our homes versus something that we deem as ugly. What makes that difference? That's what I explore in this chapter. So I hope you enjoy it. And I'd like to share a special thanks to the Indiana Arts Commission for their generous grant um, that I received to write this book. If you'd like the illustrated copy of the book, you want to go to my website, studioalchemy.art, for a link to purchase it. And now here's our chapter six. One day I was walking to meet my daughter at the bus stop. Rain was blowing in my face. I was squinting against the shining sun. Suddenly I remembered something my stepdad had told me years before. When there is sun coming at an angle and rain at the same time, there is always a rainbow. You just have to turn away from the sun to see the light shining into the rain. I turned around and there was a fully arched rainbow. It seemed that one end of it started at my house. I stood for a moment smiling at this happy sight when a man in a car drove past. I pointed urgently behind him and mouthed, rainbow. (laughs) I'm not sure if he understood or thought I was crazy. Later, I realized that it was the artist in me that wanted so desperately to share that beautiful moment with a complete stranger. For that is what art is all about, sharing beauty. Much of art, especially landscape paintings, are intended to share the beauty of nature with the viewer. Art is a celebration of the beautiful. When I studied drawing using the methods outlined in Betty Edwards' book, Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain, 
I learned that humans think in simplified symbolic images. She wrote that part of the challenge of teaching realistic drawing is that the brain insists on using its memorized stored symbols instead of actually looking at the image. The language of symbols is set into the way our brains process the objects we encounter. If I sit down to draw an apple, I might quickly create a circle with a line sticking out of the top to represent the stem. I would probably grab red paint to fill in the circle. This simple representation of an apple is the way our minds imagine the symbol of the apple to be. If, however, I want to accurately draw a realistic apple, I will need to carefully notice the subtle characteristics of that unique fruit. Perhaps the apple is crimson red at the top and gradually becomes yellow toward the bottom. Perhaps the apple has a large lump on one side and a worm bite on the other. These are the types of distinctions that need to be noticed if someone is to accurately draw something. It takes great effort and concentration to notice these things because our minds naturally simplify images into symbolic forms. Symbolic image making in our brains is so strong and basic to the way we think that when learning to draw, we must concentrate on shutting down the symbolic mode of thinking to notice what is actually in front of us. Quote by Robert Henry, all any artist can hope to do is add his fragment to the whole. Many modern art movements do not strive to realistically depict objects because they prefer to work with simplified symbols. The founders of the symbolist art movement in Europe during the late 19th century sought to express emotions through the use of symbols. Stepping away from realistic painting to illustration, the symbolists depicted images from myths and legends. These scenes conveyed the essence of humanity with universal symbols. One of my favorite symbolist pieces is The Yellow Sail by Radon in the collection at Newfields, the Indianapolis Museum of Art. The scene depicts two figures in a boat filled with jewels. The boat ride symbolically represents the voyage to the afterlife, while the jewels represent the spirit. Using heavy symbolic language, the symbolists portrayed emotional and spiritual concepts. Oscar Wilde wrote, to look at a thing is very different from seeing a thing. And one does not see anything until one sees its beauty. And I agree that all things, especially objects in nature, have a unique grace to their form if the viewer is open to appreciating them. We humans tend to gravitate toward shapes that are beautiful. The standard formulas for beauty can be culturally set by advertising and trends, of course. Yet beyond that, why are some symbols seen as beautiful and others as ugly? Shakespeare wrote, there is nothing either good or bad, but thinking makes it so. And that may be true, but humans continue to rate the beauty of objects. What makes an object beautiful? As a painter, I often wonder 
What characteristics I could add to a piece that will make it beautiful, that will encourage people to enjoy it? Why did I view the rainbow as a thing of exquisite beauty worthy of being shared? Things of beauty induce longing, delight, and love. How does a skilled artist select symbols and place them together in a way that is pleasing? In this chapter, we will examine the tricks artists use to create beauty and question their reasoning. When I teach art classes, I encourage artists to use the following elements in their artwork to enhance the beauty of the piece. Balanced proportions, balance of light and dark, color harmony and meaning. Balanced proportions. I recently went on an architectural tour of the innovative buildings in Columbus, Indiana. One building, the First Christian Church, made me feel downright uncomfortable. <laughs> the reason it made me feel that way was because the sanctuary is set up with an asymmetrical design, a design that is not the same on both sides. Built in 1942 in a mid-century modern style, there are windows on the right side but not the left. At the pulpit, there is a tapestry on one side and a decorative organ on the other. And upon reflection, I realized that there is something within me that craves symmetrical balance. Scientific studies have shown that people across the globe find symmetrical faces to be more attractive. It is speculated that this might be because we are attracted to healthy people due to evolutionary biology. Healthy individuals are more likely to have bodies that are uninjured and symmetrical. Humans are naturally drawn toward images and faces that are evenly proportioned. And perhaps my preference for symmetrical architecture stems from the same influence. In his book, The Aesthetic Brain, How We Evolved to Desire Beauty and Enjoy Art, Anjan Chatterjee explains how scientists have found that people around the world and of all ages are attracted to beautiful things. A human face is perceived as beautiful if it is symmetrical and of average proportion to the population. A landscape is perceived as beautiful if it has plants and animals that could provide food for survival. In essence, what is beautiful is what reflects our ideal view of what is healthy. What is beautiful is what can sustain us. Chatterjee makes the point that from an evolutionary perspective, the characteristics that make up our anatomy, including what symbols appeal to us, come from a combination of natural selection and enjoyment. In balanced design, a piece of artwork is unified. It is whole. No parts are left missing. The mandala is a symmetrical circular shape often used to symbolize the wholeness of creation. It is a symbol that is found in cultures around the world. It is found in nature in the form of snowflakes, the rings of a tree and the orbits of planets around the sun. In Laura Watts' book, Making Mandalas for Harmony and Healing, she writes that in mandalas we find the wholeness that lies at the core of us. Tibetan monks create intricate mandalas out of sand to represent the wisdom of the cycles of the universe and the healing that comes from living in harmony with its unceasing rhythms. After
After their sand mandala is completed, the monks perform a ritual, sweeping away the designs and scattering the grains of sand into a water source to honor the impermanence and movement of all things. Perhaps it is the urge to transcend chaos that pushes us towards symmetry. If the objects in our life are ordered, we know where everything is and we know what to expect. When decay dissolves things into imbalance, we long to straighten it to a youthful state of perfection. Balanced images give us a sense of peace and uplift our mood. Putting aside my personal feelings about the symmetrical church in Columbus, symmetry isn't the only way to obtain beauty. Many artists believe that balance can be found in asymmetrical designs, such as the shell spiral shape. Inspired by the off-centered spiral that is found in natural forms of hurricanes, seashells, and galaxy star formations, many artists use the golden mean to lay out their painting. This spiral shape is a mathematical equation that was first written about by Pythagoras 2,500 years ago. It is considered by many people to be a divine symbol because it is found so often in nature. Laying out a picture using the golden mean spiral shape is one of the most common tricks artists use to create a well-balanced picture. To do this, the focal point is put where the center of the spiral would be if the shell shape was in the picture. I have known architects, gardeners, and painters who use the golden mean in design. Photographers especially love using it. In another trick of composition, artists use the rule of thirds to divide the picture plane into three parts. They designate two thirds, one section, and one third another. For example, if I had a landscape painting and I made the land take up the bottom third of the painting and the sky, the top two thirds, I have used the rule of thirds to design my piece. Artists also use a second rule of thirds in which they place the focal point off center. Both are great ways to lay out a piece of artwork. Balance of light and dark. As I write this, it is the winter solstice. The sun is at a low angle in the sky. Light is reaching into the rooms of my house, stretching as far through the windows as it can go. This is the shortest day of the year with the longest night. The pendulum of our orbit around the sun will swing the other direction, bringing us back into balance at the equinox. The Chinese view the harmony of the universe as a balance between light and dark, between feminine and masculine, and between stillness and motion. The two opposites are called yin and yang. In artwork, finding a balance between the light and dark sections of a painting can give a piece a dynamic design. Color is of course valuable as well, but how strong the values are in a piece is important for clarity. Once I made a painting that was of red roses surrounded by green leaves. When the painting was printed in black and white for a book, it was impossible to understand the image. I realized that the red and green were too close in value. 
If someone was colorblind, they would not be able to see the roses. Some artists create a Notan sketch of a picture before they start the actual piece. Notan is a Japanese word that means light dark harmony. To create a Notan sketch, use only a solid black marker on white paper. Every section must lean toward light or dark. Doing this exercise helps artists to plan out the light and dark sections for their final painting. If we apply this lesson to our lives, we learn that in order to have harmony, opposites must be balanced. Light must be tempered with dark. Hate must be tempered with love. Day must be balanced with night. We learn that if there is happiness, there will be sadness. If there is stillness, there will be motion. If there is feminine, there will be masculine. Every extreme symbol has an opposite to balance it. Margaret Fuller wrote, art can only be truly art by presenting an adequate outward symbol of some fact in the inner life. Balance comes not from banishing extremes, but from accepting that there are two sides to every coin. In the encyclopedia section at the end of this book, there are many symbols listed that have extreme opposites. I considered listing the opposite symbols together, but decided that that would make them difficult to find. Ultimately, opposites should be paired together when interpreting their meaning. If I had a dream that I sat on an iceberg and was uncomfortably cold, I could consider bringing more hot elements into my life to balance the scales. Color harmony. If you enter the walled garden at Sissinghurst Castle in England, you will find a dance of colors. One garden room, the cottage garden, has only flowers in the colors of the sunset, red, orange, and yellow. Follow the path past the purple border of flowers until you get to the white garden. The white garden with flowers and leaves, all in shades of silver, white, green, and gray, is the most famous garden in England because of the tranquil tones of color it contains. In design, selecting colors that are similar to each other harmonizes to create a delight to the senses. Color harmony can be achieved in three ways. Number one, select colors that are all alike. If I put on a red hat, red shirt, red skirt, and red shoes, I have selected analogous colors that blend together because of their similarity. Number two, select colors that are all warm or cool. Yellows, oranges, and reds all make us feel hot, while blues, greens, and purples group well together because of their cooling qualities. Number three, select colors that are opposite each other on the color wheel. Green and red, yellow and purple, and blue and orange are all complementary color opposites. Using these opposites in design creates instant color compatibility. In 1888, Vincent Van Gogh wrote to a friend, there is no blue without yellow and orange, and if you put in blue, then you must put in yellow and orange too. In this statement, Van Gogh is referring to how harmony can be created in paintings using color opposites. 
Color symbolism is a powerful tool that can be applied to the arts of painting, interior design, and fashion. Scientific studies have shown that colors affect our moods. In one study, reds and yellows were found to increase heart rates while blues increase relaxation. Colors correlate with emotions. Every color strikes a tone of feeling within us. In one new study, many of the emotions associated with color were found to be universal, not just culturally based. Cultural associations with colors also play a role as well. Since the dawn of time, people have been drawn to certain colors going through waves of color trends. In the archeologist Genevieve von Petzinger's book, The First Signs, she explains that many prehistoric paintings, including ones found at the Blombos site, indicate a color preference for red ochre. A variety of color pigments were available to the early artists on the site, but red was chosen more than any color. Why was red preferred? I have often wondered if perhaps people gravitate towards specific colors because they need it to voice their emotions. Color preference pairs strongly with feelings. When I was fresh out of college, I had almost no money to pay my bills. The stress caused by my finances was irritating to me. One day, I scribbled in my art journal violent slashes with red paint. After channeling all of my emotions into the journal using the hot, angry color of red, I felt much better. I used the color red to let out my emotions about the situation. Another way to therapeutically use colors to help balance emotions is to include colors in design that evoke the feeling you would like to have. Many interior decorators use colors in their designs according to the needs of the people that will be using the space. Many hospitals decorate using green tones because green is both calming and uplifting. This trend was made popular in the 1930s by the color consultant Faber Biren who believed that soft colors draw the attention inward toward healing. Not wanting for hospitals to create overly stimulating environments, Buren preferred green because he found it to be, quote, fresh in appearance and slightly passive in quality. Restaurant owners also love to incorporate reds into their designs because red elevates the heart rate and stimulates the appetite. Some marketers refer to the use of reds and yellows in successful fast food restaurants as the ketchup and mustard phenomenon. <laughs> Marketers use color to pull at our emotions, but anyone can use it to suit their needs. Color therapy or chromotherapy has long been practiced as a form of holistic healing. Refer to the Encyclopedia of Symbols section of this book to chart the specific emotions that colors evoke. To use color therapy to your advantage, pair the emotion you would like to feel with the correlating color. For example, if you have trouble coming down to sleep at night, decorating your bedroom in shades of blue might help. If you need to feel confident for a job interview, wear orange. Of course, the feeling that colors give you may also be influenced by the personal experiences from your past. 
You may associate certain colors with the rooms of your house in childhood or a job you disliked in a bleak windowless room. You might be unconsciously drawn to colors that remind you of well-loved people or places. You might be drawn to a color because it represents a role you would like to play, such as a gray power suit for a savvy business person. In my culture, pink is associated with girls and blue with boys. Many people aren't aware of this, but the gender associations for pink and blue are not universal. In fact, in Europe 200 years ago, pink was associated with boys. Pink was seen as a younger version of red, which was used in various army uniforms and military flags. It can be liberating to embrace color choices because of the roles they represent that you would like to embody. Think about your favorite color and consider this color as you read the meaning in the encyclopedia. Does the color symbolically represent an emotion you would like to feel more often? For the past few years, peachy orange has been my favorite color. This seems to match my emotional craving because of my recent health problems. Orange is invigorating and energetic. I have needed to boost my energy level. Perhaps this is why orange currently appeals to me. It strikes me that so much of this chapter on beauty has been about balance. How do the colors you are drawn to help you find emotional balance? Perhaps the colors we believe to be beautiful resonate with what we emotionally yearn for. Meaning. The last element that I recommend to art students to enrich their paintings with beauty is to incorporate a message for the viewer. Within any piece of artwork is a purpose. Mexican artist Frida Kahlo was in an accident with a trolley when she was a teenager. A metal pole pierced her belly, breaking her back, collarbone, and pelvis. She never completely healed from this injury. Many of her paintings are self-portraits, expressing what it was like to live in her body. The purpose behind her paintings was to share the joys and sorrows of her life. When someone views her work, they are moved by the raw tragedy of it mixed with her vibrant will to live. Sometimes the purpose of an artwork is stated outright, and other times it is implied. Sometimes the artist is unaware of the purpose behind the piece, but it is there. One of the most common subjects to paint is landscapes. I bet that if you asked most artists who gravitate toward painting landscapes why they love the subject, they might shrug and not have a clear reason. I believe, however, that people are drawn to landscapes because we instinctually revere nature. In 1993, the artists Komar and Melamid conducted a survey in 10 countries to find out what the most popular paintings were of. They found that landscapes depicting water, humans, and animals were universally the most appealing. Dennis Dutton discussed this in his book, The Art Instinct. He speculated that landscapes are universally appealing because of our instincts. Survival is easier when you are in a lush landscape that could provide a variety of fruits and game. One potential meaning behind landscape painting is that they honor the land that supports us. 
When the meaning behind a piece is an important one, it will resonate with viewers. When meaning adds beauty to an artwork, the honest truth of the message shines out like a beacon. Truth is beautiful. It voices what needs to be heard and charms us. The abstract expressionist painter Vasily Kandinsky wrote, That is beautiful which springs from an inner need, which springs from the soul. By incorporating beautiful symbols into our surroundings, we are embracing what we wish to see in the world. Incorporating an honest message into artwork calls the viewer to balance and peace. Or as Dante wrote, beauty awakens the soul to act. Indeed, what we love calls us to action. One time, my daughter and I decided to clean up a path between my neighborhood and the shopping center next door. This was one of those no man's land spots that doesn't seem to be owned by anyone. It was filled with trash and old pieces of furniture that had been dumped there. After hauling away the debris, we planted a few flowers and added painted bricks to the path. As I was finishing up, a neighbor drove by and gave me a wonderful compliment. He said, it is beautiful what you have done. You are showing people how they should be living their lives. And I felt happy that he found that what we were doing was inspiring. For me, the drive behind the project sprang from seeing the path as an ugly eyesore. I acted and made it a beautiful place, something I wanted to see. It was small, but I do believe that it made a difference. Quote by Booker T. Washington, success in life is found upon attention to the small things. As an art teacher, I want for my students to feel empowered to create change, to make this world more pleasing. Humans are naturally drawn to well-proportioned, harmonious, and healthy images. We wish to feel the uplifting springtime of youth and the freshness of the garden in May. In those images, we find a comforting promise that we will be provided for, that all is right with the world. Quilters often add one break in their pattern to make the piece imperfect. They have a perfect design, but they add one red triangle where there should be a blue one. One friend of mine who was a quilter explained why. She said, only God can create perfection. We add the flaw to be humble. Indeed, no artwork could fully live up to the perfection of nature. Even if we don't add imperfections on purpose, there are always messy flaws. I strive toward beauty anyway. There is no perfect balance, but there is harmony. What was once fractured can be brought together again. Each day we have choices to build things of beauty or not. Ask yourself what you believe to be beautiful and embrace that. Build what you want to see. The main message of this chapter Humans are naturally drawn to well-proportioned images and harmonious colors that can uplift their mood. 
questions to ask yourself. What do you consider to be beautiful? Why do you find it appealing? End of chapter. This concludes the Studio Alchemy podcast. May these thoughts and stories comfort and heal your spirit. May you be filled with inspiration. May you be like the lotus flower and build your home in the muddy water. May you find your voice 